T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. And good evening, 806 on KMOX. We are at your service tonight. Yes, this is that spot where you would think you would find a Cardinal game tonight. You will not. They have the night off. Is it good news you're not finding a Cardinal game here? Considering the last four days, possibly. Good evening, my name is George Sells. I'll be with you all the way through until 11 o'clock tonight. We'll be talking about the Muni in the next hour. We'll be talking about the insanely high prices for steaks and burgers all of a sudden, get into that later on this hour, and the kinds of changes we're seeing in the places we go with COVID-19 restrictions and just the way people have changed how they're doing things. We'll talk about what's going to stay and what's going to go. But we start off in the spirit of having the Cardinals as this normal slot. We're going to start off with Rick Hummel from the Post-Dispatch, the Hall of Fame baseball writer. Talking about a team that hasn't exactly been uh, putting a Hall of Fame performance on the field lately. Rick, how are you tonight? I'm fine, George. How are you? Doing very well. Very well, indeed. Rick, I have been watching social media, and you would think that you could walk down Market Street and see people jumping from the buildings after these last four days. Do people need to panic yet, or do they need to just calm down a little bit? Where are we right now? Well, there's 102 games to go, I think, is the first thing to look at here. Um <clears throat> Are there some problems? Yes. The pitching is, they've got three guys hurt. They've got two regulars hurt in DeYoung and Bader, with Rhea with Molina out, out too, but he's just out temporarily here. Uh, so they're not at their strongest. Um, they do have to to win some games here pretty soon. The schedule takes a, a, a big turn for them. Later this month, they play like 24 games in a row against losing teams. So... Uh, although people will say, well, the Reds were a losing team, and they'd be right. <laughs> then they just lost four to them. But um, there's there are there's a way that things will look up a little bit. But uh, they're in a in a a mode that's that's puzzling to a degree because some of these games they played this weekend they actually played very well defensively. They didn't hit as well in the clutch as they needed to, and they didn't pitch as well as they needed to clearly. But they. It isn't like they were just half stepping out there. They played. They made some wonderful plays in the field. I can rarely recall <clears throat> seeing a team lose four games in a row and play as as clean a game as they played. They just they just lost. So kind of a sign of hope there. Uh, this whole season has been a little bit strange. After last season being a lot strange, uh, you have you are the guy we turn to who has seen it all, but you'd never seen anything like COVID nineteen. What has this last season and a half or season and a quarter, I guess you'd call it, been like 
uh, for you in trying to cover this team with all of these different rules and restrictions? Well, it's a lot harder. I mean, we're just now starting to get some <clears throat> access. Like tomorrow we'll be able to go onto the field before the game, which is a, a, a major step, I guess. We, we've we been able to interview players through the screen a little bit before batting practice ends. But no clubhouse access, and probably not for the rest of the season, I wouldn't think. No dugout access. Um, so it's harder, and you get your Zooms, and the clubs have been diligent about setting them up and and pretty good about getting the players you want in there every night, every day. But there's not much room for creativity when everybody's getting the same information. You're going to have to be a little more, a little faster on your feet trying to get some stuff that other people don't regularly have. And uh, so it's, it's a little harder to cover and it's not, it's not quite the same, but it's getting better on, a, on a, at least a weekly basis here, and maybe by the end of the season we'll have a, a little more normalcy as far as what we do relative to what the, the, what they do. It's got to be challenging for you going back to the first thing we were talking about. Do they need to you know, find a free agent here or a trade there? It's got to be a lot tougher for you to, to have a sense of that when you don't have that you know, one-on-one interaction, the you know, stop and chat in the hall kind of thing that you do in most seasons. Well, the... The best part about <clears throat> being in the clubhouse is you can kind of pick who you want to talk to and, and almost when you want to talk to them. They're all going to be in there at some point. And I'd like to to go over and talk to somebody that no one else is talking to right now because I have there's always something I can ask him about that will pertain to something I might want to write about. And you don't have that access at all uh, on the field. I'd be anxious to see how that goes tomorrow and, and forward because there's going to be a lot of people down there and the players are not obligated to cooperate with this new format. So they might say, I don't have any time right now. And they, they might be right. They might be working on something or got some film to watch or whatever. So, or just don't want to do it. So we'll see, but it's, um, it's not exactly a bold new world, but <laughs> it's been a new world and uh, it's been hard on everybody, but if it's harder on the, on the, the players in the teams last year, especially the teams like the Cardinals, who had 17 guys with, I think, with or 14 guys or whatever, and they missed 17 days with the coronavirus, and they had played all those doubleheaders, and they that was a rough season. And I think the thing to look for now is that we're at 60 games, which is all that the, the teams played last year. So we'll see what the conditioning is like, how the pitchers' arms hold up for the next 102 games that they didn't have to play last year. I was going to say, I was going to ask if injuries are a worry. Injuries already have been a worry for the Cardinals, but some of them, you know, Harrison Bader breaking his rib, falling on a baseball could have happened at any point, but do you think, we're, are the Cardinals any better off or worse off than anybody else in the league right now, or are the other teams starting to see the same kind of nagging things more so maybe than they normally would because of what you're talking about, that 60-game season last year? Well, the Cardinals, like you say, having some of the things that they have had are not nagging. You had one guy hitting the ribs by a pitch and DeYoung and Bader falling on a baseball, and <clears throat> but then Kim had back tightness. Flaherty hurt his oblique. Either he was swinging a bat, but he may have heard it throwing a pitch before that. Uh, Michaelis hurt his arm throwing a pitch. So you're going to see it. You've seen a lot of that stuff already, and you're going to see more of it. And you're going to see, I think, higher scoring games from here on out because the pitchers are not going to have the same, you know, across the board, the same endurance and stamina for a 162-game season that they had for 60. In our last 20 seconds or so, is this still a playoff team in your eyes? 
I thought so before the season, and they're only two and a half games out, and they could not have had a, a worse week than they, they've just had. <laughs> and they didn't drop out of sight. It isn't like they're 18 and 48. They're 31 and 29. So, yeah, I think by the end of the month, they could be in first place again, given the schedule they have and the fact they're going to get some injured guys back uh, gradually. And they're just going to play better. They, you know, they, Yesterday's loss was a game that they could have been hammered, and they ended up tying the game and had a chance to win it. So it wasn't a bad loss, not as bad as some of the other ones before that. Rick Hummel, thank you so much for joining us. You heard it, heard it here, here first, folks. You can get off of those ledges and take a, take a smile to your face. We have a chance still. Rick, thanks again. You bet, George. KMLX News Time is 8.13. Earning St. Louis's trust for 96 years, this is KMOX. service here on KMOX. Are you looking forward to the Muni? It is back. Who would have thought it? The Muni is going to finally have full capacity this summer, something even a few months ago we weren't sure was going to happen. Managing Director Kwafi Coleman is joining me now on the live line. Kwafi, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well, George. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. First of all, let's just get to the uh, change in plans and how you guys got to that point that you felt comfortable with the full capacity. Well, gosh, George, it's been uh, the same kind of process everyone's been going through, watching uh, vaccination rates go up, watching new cases of COVID go down, seeing what other venues and other uh, events and, and places are doing as far as their their capacity. So we kept, and, you know, overall kept working with the city, CDC guidance. So a bunch of factors went in, and we were looking at, obviously, that delayed start that we scheduled for July 26 puts us out in the future a bit. and. And we really felt with with all the mitigation efforts and truly the, the health landscape improving that we'd be in the right spot and got the uh, talk to the city again one more time. And they felt like uh, we would be in the right spot to by July 26th to, to go full capacity. I would assume some things will look different. Uh, what what will we see that maybe won't be quite the same? Sure. I mean, it's a little bit of uh, uh, the entrance procedures are, are kind of made to speed up a little bit, keep the same safety, but... Uh, faster security checkpoints with, with the uh, rapid ingress with those metal detectors. Uh, there'll be a little bit of difference with the with the food and beverage, a few a little bit more prepackaged food. Uh, this year we, we won't have the uh, the pre-show Culver Pavilion. That's something that we'll, we'll bring back next year. It's uh, one of those things that if you don't plan for really far in advance, it, it's hard to make that quick turn. But but otherwise, you know, look at the end of the day, people come out to the theater for a couple of main things. They come out for an opportunity to be together to see some exceptional shows on stage, and that's going to be the same. And we're really excited about that. What have ticket sales looked like so far? I'm sure you were kind of apprehensive just because we're really jumping into the unknown here. What have ticket sales been like? What kind of responses have you been getting from folks? George, it's been really encouraging. So we actually started renewing our, our season ticket holders, our subscribers, uh, back in January, so just the beginning of this year. And the renewal rates have been uh, really high. New sales, interest in new sales and new tickets has been has been really, really positive. So, you know, it's one of those actually just uh, quantifiable measures to see what the appetite is for the public to, to come back to venues like this. It was really encouraging. Of course, we look at, you know, some of our partner, we look at the, the Cardinals, the Blues, all the things that have been open are still are open. And to see a positive response there says that um, folks are ready to, to safely get back to uh, back to life. Do you find yourself communicating with other venues, both around the country and here in St. Louis? You mentioned the Cardinals and the Blues, just kind of talking through what their procedures have been and how they've gotten through it and had some success. Are you talking to those folks? 
absolutely. Um, there's no competition in a moment like this. You know, everybody, we're talking to each other to see best practices. Look, we all want to get back to business, bring people back to work in the safest way possible. So it's been a constant communication with places that are already open. Um, like, like I said, the Cardinals or the Blues are places that plan to open a little bit later locally. And then, you know, between our board and, and our leadership, we are involved in a lot of national conversations as well. Uh, to make sure, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, everyone has the same goal, no matter what what industry you're in that brings people together. Uh, we have the same goal of doing it effectively and safely. So that, that communication has been really encouraging. What has the impact of all this been on the shows you're, you're bringing in? Obviously, Broadway's been dark. You have a lot of actors who come from New York uh, and other places, of course, uh, to do the Muni every summer. How are the shows being impacted by this as far are they getting a line of people at the door begging them to let them in the show, or are they having trouble with some people who feel less or more comfortable uh, going out of town from where they live? Uh, that's a good question, George. You know, the, the most obvious impact, number one, is that we needed to have a later start to make sure we were in the best standpoint from a health perspective and getting the facility prepared. So there are two shows we had planned for this season, uh, Mary Poppins and Sweeney Todd, which will go both go into the 2022 season. So that's probably the most obvious effect is that there are a couple of shows that moved yet uh, for yet another year. Um, as far as, as comfort and whatnot, you know, that, that's up to each individual. What we have found is that there's a lot of guidance from, from the different bodies that, that govern, you know, Actors' Equity Association, for example, uh, for, the act, uh, for the actors or musicians or whatnot. All those, those groups as well have, have offered some guidance, and, and our job is to create an environment that satisfies um, science and satisfies all, all of those. So, what we again are seeing is that there's an eagerness on the other side of the stage, on on the on the work side of the stage, I should say, um, to come back to work. You know, those are people that that this industry has been decimated by this past year to 15 months. So the ability to safely come back to work, a you know, helps feed families and put money back in their pocket, but also allows people to get back to a livelihood that they truly love. I was going to say, have you talked to the producers of any of these shows yet? They've got to be just ecstatic to get back on a stage somewhere. Absolutely. I mean, to get back on the stage. And, and, you know, we talked about this a year ago, that by the time things like the Muni came back and, and entertainment and these community events, that meant that the health landscape had significantly improved. So it is a, it's a breath of fresh air to it's a breath of fresh air to go outside and smell that fresh air together, for sure. <laughs> One last question on the uh, sure. audience topic. Masks. I think everybody's a little confused right now because a lot of places are saying we still want masks. Others are saying you can wear a mask if you're not vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you don't have to. I would think being outside, that probably helps that a little bit. But where do you guys stand on that? Are you going to be asking people to show vaccination cards? What are we doing there? No, we're, we're standing pretty, just in line with what the CDC guidance is, which is that if you're fully vaccinated, um, you don't need to wear a mask. If you're unvaccinated, you should wear a mask. But we're not um, verifying that. You know, what it is, the trust goes into the hands of the public and individual. Uh, also understanding where that, that risk significantly lies for the individual who is who is unvaccinated. But, you know, we, we trust. There's a level of trust and, and, and responsibility that has to go to the individual in a situation like this. So um, we're following the CDC guidance on this, and, and that's, that's how we'll proceed through the summer. So Denny Reagan retiring, and he hands you the opening of what is arguably the most uncertain season in 103 years. Did you thank him for that? Uh, you know, I, I thanked him for a lot of things. You know, he, he doesn't retire until December 31st, so we'll share this one. But, uh, no, it, this, this process has been a, an incredible experience to see 
uh, the resiliency of, of our team and of our company and of our staff to, to, to pivot to a at home virtual season and to come back. So um, I'm, I'm excited and proud to, to take the reins of an organization that is uh, fully equipped and, and, and ready to handle any situation like this. All right. Clevy Coleman, thank you for joining us here on Camelax. Thank you so much, George. Have a good one. And coming up on At Your Service, do you like steak? Do you like burgers? Have you gone shopping for any of those things lately? You had a heart attack if you were in the store recently at the butcher counter. We're going to have an expert from WashU telling us why we're suddenly spending so much money when we ask the question, where's the beef? Also coming up, a lot of things have changed since COVID-19 took place, obviously. The way we wear masks to the different places that we're going, the way we get into the places that we're going, all that sort of thing. We're going to talk about what of those changes are going to stay, what will go away soon, which ones do we think are in our best interest, and which ones maybe are in the company's best interest or somebody else. That coming up later on this hour as well. We'll want to hear from you when we get there. It's 314-436-7900 here in St. Louis. And if you're further out, 800-925-1120. we be back with all that and more here on Camo X. Tuesday night, the Cleveland Indians come to town to take on our Redbirds. And you can hear it here. Amron pregame show 620. First pitch 715 on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX. Eight thirty-three on KMOX. KMOX at your service. I'm George Sells with you all the way through till eleven o'clock tonight. I want to tell you a story. Yesterday, been a long day, busy day. I was thinking I'm going to reward myself. We're going to have steak for dinner, whole family. We're going to, we're going to do steaks. I'm going to go get them, get the steaks, and grill them up. I walk into a, one of our local grocery chains. I walk up to the beef counter, and I look down at the filet mignon, and that's that's an expensive cut. It's usually you know, 18 bucks, 19 bucks a pound, but you get smaller ones. It was $35 a pound. I almost lost my mind. I look at the butcher. He said, you know, those hackers. Well, we know those hackers. Now we should do in my house. We ended up eating pork chops and we're going to try to find out now exactly what happened in this whole mess. Joined now live by Panos Cavellas. He is the director of the Boeing Center for Supply Chain Innovation at Washington University in St. Louis. Mr. Cavellas, thank you very much for joining us tonight here on KMOX. Uh, George, thank you for having me. I'm glad uh, to uh, help you with your question. Well, let's start with uh, the basics here. Uh, Your expertise is in supply chain. The big picture, according to my butcher at the local grocery, is that JBS uh, packing company, Hack, is uh, costing us all some money if we want to eat red meat. Uh, well, uh, last week uh, I would have believed that, uh, but uh, but not this week. Uh, so it was only two days. Uh, it's not uh, it's not really the hack that uh, drove up uh, the prices so much. Is uh, simply what uh, the beef is eating. Uh, probably the uh, corn prices uh, have to do with some of that, and uh, the demand that uh, has increased uh, for uh, meat pa- for uh, the meat packers in the sense of uh, the restaurant business coming back. Is that the is that the situation? Because I was going to ask you how this all ties in. It all ties in with COVID nineteen at some point. Uh, in this instance, are we are we talking about just a a big hit to all of our wallets thanks to something that happened in the COVID world? 
Well, I, I started at that point in time. Uh, the problem with uh, with that supply chain is uh, the meat packers that are sitting in the middle is a highly uh, concentrated industry. You have basically five large firms, uh, JBS, uh, Smithfield, and uh, uh, Tyson and Cargill and uh, National Beef, more or less uh, controlling that supply chain. And uh, when they lost around 30%, 40% of their capacity during the COVID, uh, that's where the problem started and the prices started going up. Uh, but uh, that more or less should have gone away by now if uh, there were not other factors. Uh, so there were other things uh, that started coming in. Uh, for chicken, uh, the, uh, the winter uh, in, uh, in Texas affected somewhat uh, the uh, uh, chicken production. Uh, then definitely the JBS uh, cyber attack uh, did not help at all. Uh, by the same time, uh, corn prices uh, and uh, what we're feeding our animals uh, have uh, started going up, and that started coming into the supply chain. So corn prices going up. Good news for some farmers around here, maybe, but uh, not good news for the rest of us. Uh, not very good news for the rest of us, and uh, you know, and uh, a little other distributors and some of uh, of, uh, of <laughs> the butchers pushing up a little the prices because uh, they feel like there's money around to go. And that was one thing I wanted to ask you because we all get a little bit suspicious when there's some event that supposedly causes a price hike. At what point do you start looking at uh, the butcher or maybe the the distributor or the chain, whomever, and start thinking, this should be gone by now. At this point, they're just gouging us. Uh, so, well, uh, the, uh, that, uh, at some point in time, I, I think uh, this kind of prices or what you describe, the price that you were describing, is not something that I expected. Uh, we expected it to go up a little, as we said last week. Uh, there were two, three days of a disruption, but uh, we expected that the price is not to go up by much. So they can't uh, almost uh, double, is what you are describing there. Uh, so that cannot persist. At this point in time, I don't see the conditions for uh, those prices to persist through the summer. So they don't go through the summer. When, when do you see this kind of thing dropping off? Is this, is getting at least somewhere back to normal? I know that the, some of the forecasters have said uh, beef prices would be up over the summer about 3%, and that was before the hack took place. So at what point do we feel like we should be able to expect a little more of a sense of normalcy? Uh, I, I think the, the, the hack is more or less of an excuse. It was just a very uh, short disruption for two days or so, so that uh, should not uh, be driving the prices up. As we said, uh, the, the prices are driven up uh, mostly by uh, the, uh, the commodities uh, that are increasing, and of course the demand. I mean, we're all uh, uh, ready to go out there and eat at the restaurants. The demand has increased. Uh, that is driving the prices up, uh, but uh, it, 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 uh, it, it shouldn't go uh, so high up. Uh, that's, uh, that's what I think. Uh, simply the demand over the summer, of course, we all like to grill and barbecue and so on, uh, is, is uh, going to drive a little the prices. By but the fall, you should not be paying those type of prices. All righty. Well, Panos Kavellas from Washington University, we appreciate you taking the time with us this evening here on KMOX, and we'll all have to take our time at the grocery store, maybe uh, do something a little bit different this weekend. Uh, George, uh, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. A pleasure, sir. So if you're heading out to uh, your favorite grocery to look for meat, you can look at last week's change, at least uh, as far as I know, still sitting pretty high. Uh, they were Beef Central is one of the groups that monitors these sorts of prices. They reported that the price for boxed beef, which is kind of the lower standard unit of, of beef, 
went up about $3 in one week. The more choice cuts, $5.55 a pound was the increase between May 28th and June 1st. So hopefully we'll see that coming back down in the very near future because, boy, I can't wait for that steak. KMOX News Time is 840. Trusted information, live and local. From the award-winning KMOX Newsroom. A little Van Halen to brighten up your evening on this Monday night. KMOX at your service. I'm George Sells, 845 in downtown St. Louis. And I'm looking ahead now. I'm looking at all the things that have changed as far as policies, at businesses, at events, thanks to COVID-19. And I'm wondering what's going to stay and what's going to go. Now, the last time we saw a situation like this where there were drastic changes made in a lot of places was coming after 9-11. I'm sure you remember before 9-11, we could go to the gate and meet our loved one at the airport right when they came off the plane. We never saw that happen again. Uh, Lots of different forms of security. Uh, The metal detectors that we used to only see at the airports, we now see at buildings of every shape and form, every sporting event we go to, uh, all those sorts of things. And you know, searching the bags, that was new. That was something that came along after 9-11. They didn't use to search your bags when you went to the ball game or to a concert. Well, all of this has happened after 9-11, and it changed, and we just kind of accepted that this is what the new life is going to be like. Well, now, here we are again. And lots of things are, are have changed, and you wonder what's going to change back. Now, some are making a move. It was, it was interesting. I was going to get on here and complain about the fact that I still couldn't get into the lobby of my bank, which so many other businesses, I mean, for crying out loud, the grocery stores had a person standing there waiting on you, even at the height of the pandemic. And yet you couldn't go into a bank where there's not usually more than two or three customers anyway in the lobby anymore. Well, the, the bank that I go to announced that they're coming back online with a lobby come uh, June 14th, I believe it is. So that's changing back. Good to know. But I was starting to wonder if they were taking advantage of uh, those, quiet, those quiet moments to maybe cut down some staff. Then you've got commercial real estate. Think, think about this. Are you working from home right now? If you're working from home right now, your boss is not having to pay for the real estate in the place where you work, not having to pay the water bill, the electric bill, all those sorts of things, or at least not having to pay as much right away. And for them, that's a good thing. And I talked to a commercial real estate person a few months ago, just shooting the breeze. And he said that it is his belief that commercial real estate will be forever changed by this pandemic. Why? Because if you are running, say, a call center, calling people, soliciting them for whatever your business is. And you suddenly realize that everybody can stay at home. They can make the calls just as easily from there. All I have to provide them with is internet access and a computer, and they're off to the races. That's a lot of money to be saved. We know corporations love to save money. So you have to think that that is another one that is going to probably change to some degree or another. And then uh, the one that got a lot of attention this weekend, in particular, but it's it's been getting attention, but seem to hear a lot more talk about it. Bush Stadium, the bag policy at the Cardinal games. 
Apparently, uh, and this is just quoting off of what I'd seen on social media. By the way, I'm at George Sells on Twitter if you want to chime in on this subject. And we'd also like to hear from you by phone here at KMLX, 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900 is the number here, 800-925-1120 if you live a little farther out. But a lot of people apparently were spotted, more women than men, walking back to their cars with a very disturbed, if not enraged, look on their faces because they were not allowed to bring a purse into the game or a little bag or a little cooler, whatever they happen to be carrying. Fanny packs are a no-go. They call them clutches, I believe, kind of a six-inch by eight-inch limit. That is all that they are allowing into Major League Baseball games right now. Now, I spoke to someone over at the Cardinals, Matt Gifford, the vice president of stadium operations earlier today, and he tells me that they're kind of following the lead of of Major League Baseball. And by taking this approach, they're able to get people through the lines more quickly. They're able to maintain a no-contact policy, keep from spreading germs. Nobody's touching anything. You don't have stadium workers touching your stuff. They don't have to worry about touching your stuff. No touching, no spreading of germs. That's all very understandable. But what about the family that likes to go to the ball game? You know, husband, wife, two or three kids. And they like to bring a little cooler with them. The Cardinals, this is just a great tradition at Bush Stadium. The Cardinals have always been great at allowing you to bring a little small cooler and you can bring a few sodas as long as they're in the right kind of bottle. It's got to be plastic and they have to be sealed. You can bring some sandwiches from home. It's a way that a family of four or five can go to a ball game and not break the bank. Because let's face it, uh, it could be pretty expensive if you make a trip to a concession stand with a couple of teenagers. I can tell you that firsthand. So that is a, a, a part that has people pretty upset in a, in a lot of places. And I, I asked Matt about this. I said... What are we looking at long term? Is this something that's going to go away when we have full capacity or is it going to be a little farther down the line? And his his answer, quite frankly, is we just don't know yet. At this point in time, they just don't know how long they're going to go forward with this policy. And that is something that you have to wonder about because, OK, I'll play skeptic for a second. This is the total cynical former journalist routine here. But think about how much money those families who bring their coolers in are now going to be spending at the concession stand. And then multiply it by a few thousand and then multiply it by 81 home games. And I was always taught never to do math on live radio or live television, and I'm not going to try to now. But you really do have to think that that's a good chunk of money. Now, when I asked Matt that question, he was very quick to point out to me that they just announced the the dynamic deal that they're going to have for the uh, Diamondback series and the Marlins series coming up in a couple of weeks. And for both those series, they're going to have $6 tickets and you get a free Nathan's hot dog out of the deal. So they're, they're, they're trying to make up for some of it. <laughs> they're actually absolutely working on that from that standpoint. But just the same, it is a situation where it's good. It, it could go on forever. It could be one of those things that will never change. Again, 314-436-7900 is the number. I want to know what you think. What do you think of the policy on bags, coolers, purses, all those sorts of things at Cardinals games? 
What do you think of some of these other things that are changing? And have you noticed anything that has changed that has gotten under your skin a little bit or anyway, something that you want to see go away? Give us a call here. You can also try me on Twitter at George Sells on Twitter. Deborah Johnson on Twitter telling me very simply, very quickly, very flatly, the purse policy needs to go. She is a big baseball fan. I see her on there every now and then. And uh, there's one vote where the purses are just a no-go in that that front. And it's funny because I remember you can go back to – when they first instilled that that NFL policy when the Rams were still here and they had to have the clear purses. What was that all about? They made a fortune selling those clear plastic purses with NFL logos on them. They were making a lot of money, and you had no choice in the matter, really. And that was really something to see. So on the line right now, Shelly calling from Ledoux, wanting to talk about the bag policy. Shelly, Shelly you're on the air with Camo X. Bag policy, I don't get it. I don't understand how COVID really should drive the bag policy. Um, I... Honestly, the thought of, I haven't gone to a game yet, and I don't know if I would want to. I think it's hard as a woman to think about not being able to carry anything, you know, besides maybe a phone in my pocket. Like, I just, that doesn't appeal to me. I don't know why they're not doing the clear bag thing that we all bought for, you know, like you mentioned, the Rams game or the Blues game. Um, I bought a special purse for both of those where you can see everything, but at least I could carry things in. So, not a fan. Frustrating. It sounds like you want to go to a ball game, and this is enough to turn you away. It is honestly. I go to probably half the ball games normally, but um, and we'll see. You know, now it's getting ready to open up, and maybe I'll change my mind and I'll get the fever of it. But it's a real turnoff to me to think like, how am I going to carry things that I need? Like carry money, carry my keys, carry my phone. Like there's too many things that. I mean, I lighten up my purse when I go to a game, but there's things I need, and to think like. I would have to bulk up in my pockets. I, it just doesn't sound appealing to me. All right, Shelly, thanks for the call. Scott from Hi, St. Louis. Scott from St. Louis, you are on, on Camo X. Yeah. You there, Scott? Hello. Yes, I am. Go ahead. So when you were talking about the meat prices earlier, what you're missing out on is the, the Packers have all gotten together, and they're, uh, they're really sticking it to the farmers. So the, the Packers right now are charging over $330 for box beef. Now, back in, I think it was 2012 when beef went up also, the highest it got was 280 At that time, the farmers were getting about 215 a pound for their fat cattle. Now they're getting $1.20 a pound for their fat cattle, and the packers are at 330 for beef. So tough for the farmers so, at this point. Oh, it's, it's horrible. There's, there's farms going under all over the place. And the, pack, the packers are doing it. They're doing the same thing to the beef farmers they did to the uh, pig farmers and the chicken farmers. They're, they're trying to put them under so that they can take it over completely. Okay, Scott so from that, St. Louis. Thank so, you very much for calling that. Of course, doubling back to our last segment where we were talking about that huge jump in beef prices. And uh, Scott telling you that the, the place in the supply chain that is the problem may be the beef packers. That's also a, it was a large beef packing group that was hacked that led to at least some of this, so they say. But then we're uh, back on the uh, back on the front with the purses and the bags. It sounds to me, especially after ta- listening to that one call to Shelley, it sounds to me like the real big issue here, more than anything else, is going to be the purses. I know that my wife can't stand changing purses; it drives her crazy. It's inconvenient. It's a pain. You inevitably forget something. 
because that's how it always seems to go is there's going to be something there that you're going to forget. And you know, I'm always ending up with a phone and a driver's license and a lipstick in my pocket when she can't keep it with her. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Again, no real clarity on when the bag policy might change, might go back to how it was, or if it'll go back to how it was. That is going to be something the Cardinals say they will be following the lead of Major League Baseball on. It is 8.56 on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 